This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. El condado de Santa Clara está pasando por una emergencia de sequía extrema. Valley Water le pide a la comunidad que limite el riego de jardines a un máximo de dos veces por semana. Trabajemos juntos y digámosle sí, ahorrar agua. Visite watersavings.org para más información. Nation, Trace Trolko here. Welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Is the hiring of an athletic director imminent? We have the latest. The Knights in Capera on National Signing Day and the road trip from hell continues for UCF men's basketball. Let's welcome in the Sons of UCF, Adam and Mike. Hello, guys. Greetings, Trace. How's it going, man? I'm just getting done watching that This Place video again for like the 18th time in the last couple hours. So excuse me if I'm a little emotional here to start the show. That was pretty well done and much needed, don't you think? I just felt like it uh, it restored my uh, momentum and adrenaline there for uh, for UCF after a couple of down weeks. A lot of it was backwards, though. That was disorienting for a while, but uh, we could just play it in a loop for the rest of the night, and we can all just take the night off. True, true. So last week, you kind of razzed me for having a shacket, so I decided to go with the uh, the, the the jacket uh and 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 what do you think i look pretty good for my zoom uh interview for uh the athletic director position uh with ucf huh what do you think are we breaking news i mean there are rumors of a wow candidate um i feel trace <laughs> equals wow i'm gonna throw that out there right now for everybody well you know i read the job description uh transformational that that stuck out to me scrappy uh gritty hungry uh, pioneer, I don't know about that one, but norm breaker, disruptor. I mean, just a motor that never stops. I mean, it's just, it just writes a team player, marketing skills. I mean, it's just an outspoken voice. The I interview. Lost me you lost me. I think you need the beard back for pioneer. I think you need the full pioneer. <laughs> and thank you, Mike, for I don't know what it is you wrote on uh, at Sons of UCF on Twitter, but something about the beard. Uh, and I don't know what you said exactly, but it humored me. Uh, we were playing the looks like game on the last episode of Sons of UCF. I said, the bearded Trace Trilco looks like he was created in a lab by mad scientist uh, Mario Verdusco <laughs> in an attempt to sabotage the clean shaven uh, Trace Trilco by replacing the walk and talks with sit and stairs. The sit and stairs. <laughs> Good stuff. Good stuff. So my interview went well. I'm in the mix. No athletic director hire this Thursday to disrupt all of our careful planning for this Sons of UCF live show. Um, but some names have emerged. Brandon Helwig out with some names. Uh, 
Eddie Nunez, AD, New Mexico. Doug Gillen, AD, Appalachian State. We, of course, have talked about Scott Carr, uh, currently the interim athletics director. Uh, Mark Allnut, Buffalo. Would UCF go back to Buffalo for an athletic director? Beth Goats, Ball State. Uh, Zach Selman, associate AD at Oklahoma. And Brandon mentions a wow candidate, a surprise candidate, uh, which could possibly be a name being mentioned now, Jim Sterk, AD at Missouri SEC School. Dr. Alexander Cartwright with ties to Missouri. Are you wowed by that name, Jim Sterk? I mean, not the name itself. I, I think the if there's going to be a wow portion of that conversation, it's that a sitting uh, power five, quote unquote, and an SEC, quote unquote. I guess that's not quote unquote. He actually is in the SEC to, to, to potentially have somebody of that ilk interested in coming to UCF. I think initially does make your head go, oh, that's interesting. Um you know, whether or not he runs a good department in Missouri, whether or not things are, um, you know, going favorably. I don't have all those details yet. So the initial response was, oh, gee, okay, an SEC AD, that's interesting. But it also makes you wonder why does an SEC AD want to come here? You know, what are his motivations? I think that's more more of the things we'll have to unpack to, to understand fully if this is a good idea or not. How much do does the average fan know about just any AD in general? I mean, we know about the ADs at our school, maybe a couple other. You know about the guy at Florida, Strickland. You've heard some big names, maybe the guy from Notre Dame or, uh, you know, Danny White's dad. You, you've heard of Oliver Luck. But does, does anybody really know anything about these ADs at all these other schools? It's impossible. You're telling me people keep up with the players, they keep up with the head coaches, and they know the ADs at all the place? So we're, we're basing our opinions on these fan speculations and message boards. I don't know anything about these guys. I'll just be honest. We know that he's at – at an SEC school now, but Danny White was making more money than a lot of these guys at the SEC. So why not come to Orlando? Money is not the issue, and you get to live in Orlando instead of a place like what, where is Missouri? Branson, Branson, Missouri, or whatever city it is. Columbia, Columbia, Columbia Missouri. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. I like that. How just two weeks removed from Danny White leaving, money suddenly no object at UCF, <laughs> thanks to the six plus million dollars we're getting from the University of Tennessee. Now we can pay athletic directors possibly from Missouri, but I agree most people don't know and uh, not on the search committee, uh, but uh, be interesting to see this jobs posted through February 5th, which is Friday. Uh, does it mean we go through the weekend without an announcement and they hold on to something into next week? And, and then of course, a week ago, speculation that Scott Carr might get the job, the internal candidate, which of course remains a possibility, but. What does it do for the Jeff Levy for head coach candidacy? Uh, shakes things up if you bring in someone other perhaps than Scott Carr. Yeah, certainly. I think the first uh, task of this particular person, whoever it happens to be, will be that football coach, right? And I think the players have made no secret about the fact that Jeff Levy is their preferred target. So, you know, will any of the folks on this list, either the mystery candidates or anybody listed, you know, how much will that factor in? Obviously, people want their own guy, right? So you look at this list of people and you can think about particular names that maybe they want, right? So Zach Selman, who has got a really weird tie to the Bulls I'm not comfortable with, uh, he, he's from Oklahoma. You know, there's, there's Alex Grinch, the D coordinator at Oklahoma. His name has been mentioned, right? So is that a combo platter? Uh, and so I think those are the things that kind of concern you is, you know, this this AD is going to make that going to make that higher. Um, you know, certainly is unfortunate for, for Scott Carr if he's not, you know, one of the top two or three favorites right now. I think he uh, had a lot of positive momentum. But 
again, UCF's really weird with these things. We've all seen this before. Names on the left field, smoke screens, trial balloons, the whole nine yards. So I don't know that anybody knows anything at this point, even though some of the reporting and the sourcing is really uh, from really solid people. Who the hell knows where this thing goes at this point? I have to think a huge part of the interview process is the ADs presenting who they would go after as a head coach, because that's going to be the biggest decision they're going to have to make. And Adam's absolutely right. All these names that we're seeing right now, I, I bet my money that it's probably none of them. <laughs> I, I a better chance that it's somebody that has not been mentioned yet, just like it was when Danny White was hired. Uh, UCF seems to do a good job of not having any leaks when it comes to things like this. Well, hopefully it times out since it didn't time out for the live show that you'll have opportunity to talk about it on the next All New Sons of UCF podcast. And what sort of came and went with a bit of a whimper, National Signing Day, usually a big deal. UCF announces just two, and interim head coach Randy Shannon with the uh, the statements out on defensive tackle Thomas Zion, Atlantic High School, Delray Beach. And, okay, Adam, you or I, you want to flip a coin? You want to try it? Four-star wide receiver? Mokiao Atamalala. Uh, I think Mokiao Atamalala. I feel like I have a I have a neutral third party here who may know something who gave us a thumbs up in the window here. So I'm gonna go Titus Mokiao Atamalala. Ah, not bad, not bad. Uh, and Dylan Gabriel, very instrumental. It gave us a little wind in our sails last week when it had been several weeks of. Uh, shocking news to uh, UCF that, uh, you know, he's describing it as the best couple of days of his time at UCF. And then uh, he, very instrumental in bringing in Titus. And uh, now 24-7, ranking UCF's class, uh, coming in right now at 55, still fourth in the American behind Cincinnati, Memphis, and SMU. However, a big boost uh, from a big-name wide receiver, Mike. Yeah, and those rankings, I mean – you redo those in four years after you see how they turn out in college. They're, they're so bunched together at this point. They're, they're, they're pretty much a toss-up between those four schools. But it's good to be both top, obviously, of the conference. And this guy was a huge get for us. So he, he bumped us up to where we, we should be in the top of the conference. Well, also a huge get for us is this week's first guest, all the way from Hawaii, KHON News 2 sports reporter Alan Hadisha. Oh, no, Hoshida. See, I butcher your name after we talk about it. See, I got Titus down. Adam steals it. I butcher your name, but I appreciate you joining us on the Sons of UCF Live. See, the first question was going to be how to say Titus's last name, but it, it looks like Adam covered that for us. Yeah, I got it. Titus Mokiao Atamalala. That was, that was right there. So I appreciate you guys having me on. I, I'm excited and uh, great to talk about some Hawaii prep guys and just join the, join the pod and the live stream. Thank you so much for being here. Well, tell us more about Titus. What kind of athlete do we have coming here to UCF? Explosive. Explosive. I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind. And a guy that could play both sides of the ball and very good at both sides of the ball. And that's why he was recruited as a defensive back, wide receiver. And um, he's explosive. You give him the ball and he's going to break free. A lot of the passes that you see were a lot of passes that you see in the UCF offense where it's just underneath. And then all of a sudden it's 80 yards to the house. So I think he's going to fit into that really well. He's about 6'1", 175, 180. Maybe has a little bit more room to grow into. Um, And he plays that physical too. He's not he, he, he's not that size and doesn't use it. He uses it, and when he fills out a little bit more, he'll go up and get those balls. That's another. He'll high point balls. He has great ball skills, and I think they're getting a really, really good weapon for Dylan Gabriel. 
Well, Alan, one of the unique uh, quirks here is that UCF currently has no uh, head football coach. And uh, as it was coming down to the wire, obviously a lot of schools were after Titus. Uh, So were you surprised or do you have any understanding of why he stuck with UCF despite the fact that there are some unknowns going on right now? Well, I was surprised, obviously, just because you see the head coaching leave and then you don't know what that means. But uh, from my understanding is it was Dylan. Dylan was the guy that stabilized the ship and they made their family friends. So and they've gone back. And then also McKenzie. McKenzie came back after after he he made his decision, came back and threw and he threw with Titus at, at a field out here and he was instrumental as well. So I think the coaching obviously is a big deal. But having a guy throw to you that you're comfortable with and you know, and then you have Lokahi right there as well at guard, you have three guys that can help you develop on and off the field. And I think that's really important for Hawaii kids. You mentioned the guys, Mackenzie Milton, Dylan Gabriel. We already have now four Hawaiians on the UCF team or in the last few years. How has Hawaii embraced UCF? Are we now the official, I guess, number two school among fans out there? I don't know. Notre Dame's pretty close, too. Notre Dame has <laughs> four on their on their roster as well, and they keep getting the pipeline, too. Um, but they, they UCF has really seemed to embrace Polynesians and Hawaiians and, and kids from Hawaii as their own, and that's a really big thing. When you can build family, because in the Polynesian culture, family is everything. It, it, it begins and ends with family, and if you can build that and sell that to a recruit, I think that's really big. And the UCF pipeline goes all the way back to Scott Frost, as you guys, I'm sure, know. Without Scott Frost, there is no Hawaii pipeline. And and that goes back to getting McKenzie kind of last minute. McKenzie wasn't wasn't supposed to go to UCF, and then things changed, and then he did. And now and now you're seeing that a lot of Hawaii kids like to go there. And and the weather is similar enough that it's it's a wash. How would you describe how uh, folks in Hawaii that you come in contact with think of UCF? I think they uh, they like it. I, I think they like how um, they've embraced the the kids from Hawaii, and that's that goes back to that family. If if they feel like the program is embracing their culture, that's a big thing. I think they're explosive offense, so I think athletes in general will like that. And they've only heard good things. And the way that they embraced McKenzie as their own, and he's going to go down as one of the best ever to play there, that's a big thing too. And uh, just like they say with anything, perception is reality or not reality, but they love it. And there's good marks with UCF and the kids here. A string of good quarterbacks have really come out of Hawaii lately. Jordan Taumu, uh, Tua and Talia Tagovailoa, Mackenzie Milton, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, is, what is it about the coaching or sort of the, the play out there that's produced so many good high-level college quarterbacks? There's a lot. And Chevin Cordero is the quarterback at Hawaii. So they have their own born and bred D1 kid, St. Louis guy as well, just like Tua and Marcus. It, it goes back to, I think, the development. I think they really start them young and – they they have a quarterback coach that works with a lot of them named Vinny Passes. He's really great with them. And they saw they saw Marcus do it. And before Marcus Mariota, it, just to make sure I say the whole name if people are don't know who I'm talking about. But uh before Marcus, it was a lot of you know, linebackers, linemen, not the skilled positions. But once they saw Marcus do what he was able to do, they thought, oh, I could be a quarterback. And that kind of as you know, that changes everything. If you think you can be a quarterback, 
then you can become a quarterback. And now it seems like a lot of programs are looking to Hawaii for the next Hawaii quarterback that's going to change their program. You guys just ran off the list of all the quarterbacks coming from Hawaii. Who's the next kid signing days already passed this year? For next year coming up, who's is there a kid out there that UCF fans need to keep an eye on? Maybe we can keep the pipeline going and get the next star. Well, Dylan seemed to indicate that there was a couple other guys that uh, he was uh, in contact with. I don't know the for sure thing. The hard the hard thing for me to tell you is that we didn't have football this year. And we're not we're not going to have football as of right now. As it looks, we're not going to have football, so we haven't seen any of the kids in over a year. But I know uh, Titus's quarterback, Blaine Hippa, he is a guy that has some offers, and it wouldn't be surprising to me if UCF already knows about him. He's a lefty as well, so I I don't know if they like lefties. And a guy from Hawaii, there's the name there too, and he he already has his ties with Titus, and so. Maybe. I know he's a guy that's got some buzz, but for me, it's hard because I haven't seen him in over a year. And obviously from sophomore to junior and even junior to senior, there's a whole lot that can change. Of course, McKenzie Milton makes a big name for himself at UCF and Dylan Gabriel follows him. How good can Dylan Gabriel be? We've seen what he's done so far. What do you see in his growth and where he can go next? I I think really if he can maybe, uh, he he's he's got all the talent and he's making every throw and even if he's not the biggest guy he he can run your offense he's going to put the ball where it needs to go i think now it's just closing those games right the leadership to close those games in the second halves where this year wasn't always there but he i think he can be as good as he wants to be and as good as mckenzie and everything like that i'm sure that's what we want here in hawaii obviously i mean we want the great best for him and he seems to have the weapons and to, to be able to do it um he's just he, he's only a, he's only sophomore starting. And so that means you have two more. And then if you really wanted to take the last year, you have three years. So I think he's still got tons of potential. He can take it anywhere he wants to go. Well, you mentioned McKenzie. Obviously, he recently was was in the news. He uh, uh, elected to, to leave UCF and, and went off to Florida State. Uh, so kind of a two-parter. How, how surprised were you and how did that play locally for, to see McKenzie leave UCF for FSU? And was there ever any thought in your mind or anybody else's mind that maybe he ends up in Hawaii? I, I don't I don't think Hawaii was an option because for McKenzie, you wanted to go play right away, right? You can't take that chance of not starting. And obviously – He's a phenomenal quarterback, but like I said, Hawaii already has a quarterback who is just uh, one of the pack, uh, Big West's best, and he's a Hawaii kid, and that's that says something. When you have a Hawaii quarterback that's from Hawaii, I know Milton would come in, and he's also that, but you wouldn't have the surefire, I'm going to start type thing, and I think that was important for McKenzie to have that opportunity to uh, get as many games in as possible. As far as Florida State, I don't, I don't think that's surprising. I think staying in Florida was always – something that he wanted to do. I, he loves it there and it's close to the de facto family that he's built there as well. So Florida state made a lot of sense. Uh, it, it, to me, it was surprising how quickly it happened. Cause I'm just, you know, it, it seemed like he, he was in transfer pro, portal, portal and then a couple days later it all happened. And so I know he's healthy or he's getting healthy and locally everyone just wants to see him back on the field and hopefully he stays healthy and, and can uh, take advantage of this and then take the next step. Obviously, you guys love to follow your own Hawaii players and keeping up with them on Saturdays. It's got to be a little tough for you guys with the time difference. How does that work? Do you guys get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and start watching college football? 
Uh, it's a yeah, it's like a six a.m. to like ten p.m. type thing. So it's, I mean, if you love college football and you love sports, you just wake up and it's on your TV. Um, and a lot of it is setting records and having things going. And sometimes we have five games that I'm trying to keep an eye on. I, I'm the weekend guy, so I'll be here on Saturdays, and you know I'm flipping back and forth. We always have our, our quarterbacks on though, because it's the easiest kind of to keep surefire track on. So I always had Dylan's game on, always have Taulia's game on and everything like that. But yeah, it's it seems like each year there's more. And that's great for the state. That's great for us covering it. On, on the downside, it's very hard to keep track of 15 games in one Saturday and be ready to go with and and pretend like you know everything that happened in all 15 games so you don't sound completely caught off guard by something. You mentioned Hawaii's quarterback being homegrown. Do Hawaiians take pride though seeing guys like Mackenzie Milton, Dylan Gabriel flourish in other colleges? I, I think you always want to support your own, right? And to see a kid from the islands go somewhere else and achieve goals that weren't always seen for them. I think that's special. I think Hawaii fans will will embrace that. And sure, of course, there's the ones that want them to stay home, but that's, that's just not plausible. I mean, going to college is so much more than just playing football and it's important and everything like that. And that's their main gig. I understand that, but you want to go learn and experience new things. So always staying home sometimes isn't the best option. They want to go out and experience the world and, experience new things and so they they do get behind they love they love seeing a local boy go do big things and once they go pro or anything like that that's 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 the pro franchises that's that's who they cover those are the jerseys you see and that's that's who they become to get uh to rally behind well if marcus maria is sort of the, the goat quarterback in hawaiian uh lore who's uh, who's second is it Tua? Is it McKenzie? Who's who's the I guess the number two chair behind Marcus Mariota? For Hawaii grown kids, probably Tua. Tua, I, I think that's that's pretty safe to say at this point. Um, but in, in Hawaii, there's also you have Colt Brennan. Colt Brennan's a huge name, and a lot of people love what Colt Brennan did for the Bows and that whole experience of when they were at the top of the game. So Colt Brennan's also a really big name. And I, I wasn't here obviously back then, but I know he would have his own autograph sessions after, after practices and stuff. So it's, it's, he was a rock star here too, but as far as homegrown guys, Tua is definitely that next one. And, and everyone loves what Dylan's doing as well. UCF. Those, those are the guys that they're looking to right now. What about like the other positions? I know you said linebacker was a big position. Linebacker. What are the, if you had to make a Mount Rushmore, I guess, of some of the other position top players, who would they be that people know? Oh, that's a uh, – there's so many. I mean, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't think I could even begin because I also – I don't – to be completely honest, I don't have the depth of knowledge. I'm not a local grown – grown kid and so i i didn't have the same experiences so i I can't tell you that without i'm sure losing and leaving out someone that deserves to be there uh so i'm gonna have to sidestep that one on you guys i'm sorry (laughs) all right no problem long time ago ucf traveled out and played hawaii on the island 
now if they did, where would they be playing that game? Aloha Stadium. Uh, the University of Hawaii is not going to be playing its games there. Is that still up in the air? What's the plan if college football plays for them in the fall? Yeah, they're definitely not playing there. I can tell you that much. That's not happening. Uh, the plan is right now is to renovate an on-field facility that they have, TC Clarence TC Ching Arena, uh, Field. It's their practice field. It's where they have their spring game, and they're hoping to put about five to six million dollars into it and get it to a ten thousand dollar seat because. As you know, the NCAA, that's kind of their bottom of what they need to have. Um, but that's the plan is to do it on campus. And actually, in a weird way, that might heighten the actual college experience for a University of Hawaii game because Aloha Stadium is about 25, 20 minutes away from campus. So you don't have as many student athletes go out there and there's not a nightlife out there or anything that will lure people out there as students so actually being on campus if they get it done which is a big if but if they get it done that can actually add to the atmosphere with the student body and make it give it a more college feel well let's just wrap with this coming in as a true freshman you expect titus to make an impact for the knights this fall I think so. I, I know. So Marlon Williams has, is probably moving on at this point and uh, Trey Nixon. And I think I was trying to give comparisons of who I thought body type. I think he might be a body type like Trey Nixon. Hopefully he'll uh, have explosiveness and everything that goes along with it. But I think there's some spots for him. And I think that's probably something that he wanted to at least know that he was going to be able to compete for some actual playing time right off the bat because there was places that wanted him to come be a DB and sometimes maybe you can move into a DB role a little bit er earlier or stuff like that. But I think, I think he should contribute and I think he, he can make an impact, especially if, if that all Hawaii combo uh, links up and they get on the same page that we would love that. Nothing more. If every single touchdown went to Titus, but I, obviously that's probably not going to happen. Little rainbow connection there. Alan Hoshida. Yeah, we thank yeah. you for joining us. You can follow him at Hoshida sports. Aloha, my friend. Aloha, thank you. Rainbow connection, guys. What do you think? I mean, every touchdown, as long as there's like 60 of them, I'm good with that. <laughs> well, he says he's going to be catching a lot of short passes. I don't know if we can consider those rainbows. We have to come up with some kind of catchy slogan. And now with the image of the thing, they're going to have to, they can make some money off this little thing. It's exciting uh, for, for Dylan to step in the way in which he did. Also shows up uh, former Coach Heupel a bit in that he was not able to bring in uh, a four-star during his tenure. Uh, as I mentioned, interim coach Randy Shannon describing him as a big receiver with great hands, a guy who can go up and make a lot of plays, especially in the red zone. Uh, one of the questions that I asked on Twitter this week is, uh, should – UCF consider Randy Shannon as head coach. They'll consider him, but if not, should he be retained as defensive coordinator? I gave two choices there. Time to move on, and sure, why not? Sure, why not? 70%. Uh, odd to me that uh, fans have embraced Randy Shannon staying as part of the coaching staff if he is not named head coach. What do you guys think? 
Well, I think he's earning some respect right now. I think obviously this interim period, um, you know, I, I, he's, he's certainly the, the person holding things down. I think we all feel good that he's a veteran coach. Uh, he, he's been through, um, you know, some of these transitions before. So, you know, despite the fact that maybe defensively it wasn't his stellar performance this year, I think we feel good that he's got some experience there. But listen, I think the money's a factor too. We talked about it on the show this week. Uh, to get rid of Randy is going to cost us uh, a, at least one, maybe even $2 million to get him out of that contract. Um, so if you're thinking about a $6 million buyout that we're getting from our friends in Tennessee, that's already down to, to, to three or, or four or five million at some point. Right. So uh, I think financially we're tied to him for a year. Uh, I think that's where bringing in a, an offensive minded coach who understands that you're going to have him on staff for another season is, is per, perhaps the most prudent financial move, whether or not that happens um, from a schematic perspective, I don't know, but I think he gets a little bit of uh you know, uh, of, of kudos for, for sticking around and sort of mining the ship right now. And I think that uh, that's some, certainly something to be respectable about. I was surprised when I saw the results of that because, you know, fans that vote on these things, they're not taking into account uh, budgets and all that stuff. They're going off pure emotion. And if you based it on message boards and Twitter and all that stuff, you would swear that everybody wanted to get rid of Randy Shannon <laughs> yeah. last year with the way the defense performed. So I was kind of surprised. And I think it is going to depend on which coach comes in. I, I'm fine with cleaning house and just getting rid of the whole staff completely. And, and if you have a coach that has experience and has his own defensive guys, I'm fine with getting rid of him. But if it's a guy like Jeff Levy who has experience working with Randy and maybe he likes working with Randy and is comfortable with him, I, I have no problem with him sticking around too. So I can go either way on it, I guess, depending on who the head man is. You know, these polls are scientific, Mike. It's pure science <laughs> that goes into these polls. Yeah, uh, speaking of... Uh, we were talking about Titus and some of the changes at wide receiver. You had a pretty notable name on the Sons of UCF show this week, uh, former UCF wide receiver Doug Gabriel, uh, who uh, who uh, may not have been the biggest fan of one Josh Heupel. What did you guys make of that interview? And hopefully folks have gotten an opportunity to listen or will uh, following the show. Yeah, I think it's interesting. It, it was certainly um, uh disappointing if if what he's you know talking about is true and the fact that it's his perspective so if he feels that way then there's some there's some modicum of truth to it but it would certainly be disappointing if uh he or his fellow uh, classmates or some of the lettermen didn't feel welcomed uh, on campus and that that would be disappointing if that was indeed true Uh, you know obviously this this past year was crazy with covid um you know we don't know the specifics behind some of that stuff i I don't think he offered a ton of details uh but certainly disappointing to learn if uh if him and some other guys felt like they weren't welcome on campus yeah you always want you guys to be able to come back and feel like they're at home but that's just a small part of the interview we're talking Doug Gabriel, man. That's a, a big time period. He may have had one of the best individual seasons we've ever seen at UCF. Go back to 2003, the numbers he put up. And I was doing some research before we talked to him. He averaged like 28 yards per catch. The guy was a big play machine, 20 touchdowns, which is top five all time as a receiver in UCF history. He, always, he was only there for two seasons. And if the guy sticks around for three, four, he came over as a Juco. If he was there all four years, the numbers that he would have put up may never have been broken. Adam, you have a clip from the, the show the other day, right? I do. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that we obviously asked him a lot about was, you know, his experience with UCF and, uh, and sort of what, what he experienced uh, as a, uh, as uh, Josh Heupel was the head coach there. And uh, here's probably one of the more, I guess, uh, memorable sound bites he gave from, uh, from that episode. Um, it just the fact that it seemed like we wasn't, we wasn't welcome. 
You know, it's like we wasn't welcome. You know, we we were trying to, you know, give 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 back things we've learned and just be a part of the program. And it seemed like they went in a way total different direction than than anything. And you know, like I said, say I can't knock anything because I'm not. I wasn't in the shoes, and he was doing what he felt was best for his program. But when it came down to the program program itself, you know, I have yet to find a program where they go away from the alumni like UCF did. And again, he, he didn't offer a ton of specifics there. I mean, he talked a little bit about, um, you know, some of the game day experience and some of the events that were around there. But again, if if that's true, and I, I imagine that for, for Doug and I guess some of his teammates, you know, there is some modicum of truth to that. If that's true, that, that's disappointing. Um, it's disappointing that we don't get a chance to welcome back some of the some of the guys who laid the foundation for UCF. And Doug, obviously, as, me, as Mike mentioned, is one of those guys. So um, certainly, it was disappointing to hear that if, if it's indeed true. But look, it's it's convenient now to to to, to pile on Hypel. Um, you know, and and you know, that's what happens when you leave. So you know, we'll see if anybody else has anything uh, that they um, share about their experience with, with Hypel. But if any of that's true, it definitely is uh, disappointing and frustrating. Well, definitely, we have not seen the outpouring of uh, emotion in uh, Coach Heupel leaving and that uh, anybody's too sad to see him go, right? I mean, is that fair to say from social media and, and other sources? And as we talked with Jamie Say, Matt Michelle last week, what will Josh Heupel's legacy be? Another scientific question that I asked on uh, Twitter this week, Mike, was uh, with the turnover in head coach and staff, what do you think of UCF football's chances to uh, contend in the American in 2021? 68% definite contender. So it looks like we got our mojo back a little bit. I can almost hear Mike saying uh, 12 and up, 12 and up. That's your prediction. <laughs> You're going 12 and up, right? By the time we get to the preseason show in a few months, I may be at that point. I'm not there yet. But we're definitely contenders. I mean, we have probably the best quarterback in the conference. As you know, college football is almost all about your starting quarterback. Of course, you got to have the other pieces. But we have a lot of talent on this team. Uh, we, we talked about the, the skill position all the time. We, we're just reloading at receiver and running back. And the defense was full of young guys that hopefully have the experience now to grow and, and get better in the next couple of years. So I think for sure we're a contender. We're definitely not in the bottom of the pack. We're not, we're not um, the Cows or East Carolina or teams like that. I know we finished in the middle this year. But we're a play away, a kick away against Memphis from what, finishing in third place. We're just missing the conference championship game. That's the top part of the conference. Uh, we'll be right back where we belong, I think, next year. A, a kick away and l less than 49 points given up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, middle of the pack got 25%. It's a rebuild, uh, almost 7%. Speaking of rebuild, transitioning to men's basketball, with all of these road games, it has felt uh, – it's just been difficult to watch. Uh, every other day, there's 20-plus uh, turnovers. Knights lose Wednesday, 75-61, after nearly giving up 100 on uh, Monday night. Uh, UCF falls to 2-8 and eight in the American 4-9 overall. Uh, it has been a difficult stretch, Adam. It's uh, without a true uh, point guard uh, out there. It's just, it's just been a struggle. And the turnovers, you can't turn the 27 times. I think they had nearly 50, 49, I think. 49, back to 49 is a number. 49 turnovers in the two games against Memphis. 
Yeah, Memphis came out with, uh, with a heavy press, uh, heavy pressure, uh, ball traps, not only off the off the inbound, but then they were ball trapped the second pass as well. Uh, we couldn't dribble around it. We couldn't pass over it. We couldn't pass around it. Uh, it. It reminded me of watching our football offense where, you know, we come out and we just, you know, we score so quickly. We, we run fast and it takes teams time to adjust to us. I felt like the same thing with Memphis's defense and their trap. It seems like we just never really adjusted. And by the time we got settled in, well, then it was too late. We, we were already down 15 and 20, and we're just not a team that can score in bunches like that that's going to be able to, to come back from that kind of deficit. We're a kind of team that needs to be within eight, six, five, somewhere in that ballpark to be able to kind of you know make a run at the end of the game there. Being down that much, you know, we just were never going to make a comeback. Memphis just blitzed those both times. You saw some improvement on the Wednesday game from the Monday game, but, I mean, it, it was almost from the jump. And, like, you got to commend the guys because – we're playing with a short team. Memphis ran out like hockey line changes, right? There were five guys coming in and out at periods of time. And we're just rotating Reynolds and Adams and Mayhan and, you know, the same eight guys coming in there. Finally, Diggs, you know, got the mothballs off and he was in the game for a while. But, you know, you, you got to feel for the guys because they are just under a ton of uh, a ton of pressure from Memphis. And, you know, they're, they're bringing fresh legs out. And after a while, you could tell UCF just wasn't going to be able to keep up with that. However, I would say in the post game, and we have a clip from uh, head coach Johnny Dawkins, he's not saying anything about the, uh, the grind here this week as any excuse. He thinks the team's going to be ready Saturday at Tulsa. You know what? We have to, you know, we, just, we have to be ready to respond. I mean, every every day is a new day. Every game is a new game, and we just need to be able to respond. I mean, I don't, I don't look at the amount of games or the amount of time in between games. I think most of these young people are just happy to be playing uh, basketball. We played, what, 13 games now? These guys – like I said, we'd just be ending preseason. So for them, uh, I think they still have a lot more in the tank. Uh, we just have to, you know, manage them properly and how we travel and manage them properly and, uh, you know, how we practice. Nights will wrap up this four-game road trip Saturday at Tulsa. Boy, I know you guys have been saying you hope you could get two wins on this four-game road trip. Let's just get one, right? Now you want to try and in – in a house of horrors. Boy, all of these places – have been a house of horrors for UCF, like one win in all of these venues uh, in recent years. So going to be a tough one Saturday at Tulsa. Yeah, this going back to last time was a game we blew against Wichita. I mean, we had that one a couple times and we let it go. And that started the spiral. We saw what happened in Memphis where we just struggled completely for two games in Tulsa. Like you said, we've never won it. So I'll take a win right now. I don't know what to make with this team. I'll be honest. I turned the game off last night with like nine minutes to go. I just gave up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Monday night, I was thankful we were recording our show. I didn't watch any of it. So uh, I, I don't know what to do with this team. Uh, hopefully you hope to see improvement over the last couple last month here, but uh, I don't know. I've given up. Well, with a packed spring schedule with all the sports going soon, uh, you'll have other options than just watching UCF uh, turn over the ball. Uh, earlier, we talked about interim head coach Randy Shannon, the defensive coordinator. A couple of former Knights uh, moving up in their draft stock. We welcome in now Jonathan Adams, sports contributor to Heavy.com, who put a little coverage in on the Senior Bowl. Uh, Jonathan, uh, welcome to the Sons of UCF Live. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. How you guys doing? Doing well, doing well. I like the backdrop there. Is that Orlando City? Uh, you got the Seahawks, uh, UCF. I mean, there's a lot, a lot going on there. We got a lot going on. It's a conflict. I live in Atlanta, but, you know, grew up outside of Orlando. So they're rivals. I get it. I get angry messages from people. But um, 
He's I'm not going to ask who you root for when they face each other, and that has not been Orlando City's strongest, uh, uh, you know, their best faring uh, against an opponent in the last couple of years. But They uh, did get the better of Atlanta this, this last season, though, so that, that little bubble seemed to do, do some wonders for him, but... That's true. So as I said, uh, Senior Bowl and the uh, the, the pregame practices, uh, pretty good for some UCF guys. Yeah, the guys did great. Uh, Richie Grant probably was one of the players of the of the week, uh, as you guys know. Uh, I think Daniel Jeremiah said he, before that, probably round three, round four guy and projected now to be a top 50. You know, we could even see him sneak up in that. I would be surprised if he if he's right around that early second round, maybe even challenges for the late first round and of course Robinson I think Mel Kuyper had him late first round his last mock draft so I'm really curious to see which of those guys is going to go first um, you know Robinson's interesting because he's a I think he really excels covering the slot which we used to think oh it's slot corner what's the point of that but now with the NFL being so pass happy that is an absolutely critical position so um, we got a chance even to see a little bit of Robinson play on the outside as well, which is, I think, what he's going to have to prove as he gets closer to draft day. Um, it's really the only question is, is if he has some position flexibility there. But both those guys did outstanding in Mobile. Jonathan, we know that uh, Aaron did not actually play in the in the game. Um, right. uh, is there an injury there, or is he uh, is he just kind of saved himself for uh, future uh, workouts and tryouts? You know, I hadn't heard that. I know a lot of guys sit out. Um, I had to head back after the last practice, so I was I was covering the game remotely. But um, a lot of the guys, the big thing is that it, it sounds counterintuitive, but the practices is really what the, what the scouts are there for, what the teams are there for. So a lot of guys will end up sitting out the actual game to avoid injury and, and so forth. So um, even a lot of the scouts, a lot of the front offices will head back on Thursday night as well. So it's kind of a – you would think, oh, the senior bowl is really where you shine. But it's those – that Tuesday through Thursday is where guys really improve their draft stock and, and maybe make a little bit of money for themselves. With the combine being canceled this year, how big of an effect does that have on guys at UCF? Now they just have to rely on scouts, what, maybe going over the game tape and just a one try workout day on campus? Well, I think it made uh... – the senior bowl a lot more important so it helped Richie and it helped uh, Aaron do well for themselves because that's kind of that could be as your point it's weird to have your last impression be in January when the draft's not till till late April but um, it's definitely gonna be a lot more challenging for guys because there's not they're gonna have to go on the game film um, and as we all UCF I think it was up and down this year but those guys did really well in terms of the defense as far as UCF goes but um, those guys did well to, to solidify their status in the senior bowl and leave what's weird, like you said, a lasting, uh, a final impression three months out, four months out. So yeah, to your point, it's going to be really a game film. And then that, those senior bowl practices are going to count maybe twice as heavy as they normally would. No pun intended there. Let's dig a little bit more on Richie Grant. What did you see? What did he do that impressed scouts so much? Well, I think maybe what encapsulated it, you saw that photo that went viral of him pushing the Gatorade or Powerade, I can't remember what the sponsor was there, uh, the Powerade cart at the end of practice. Uh, that just shows kind of his leadership ability. Um, but also on the football field, we saw him playing both safety positions. We also saw him in the game, you saw him play some corner on the outside. So you're looking at a guy, potentially top 50, as we discussed, who can play both safety positions, can, can have some flexibility if he has some injuries where he can play him at corner. So 
that really solidifies your status when you have not just one position that you can play, especially in the secondary, uh, but multiple positions. So I think his versatility is really huge. Uh, and there was the, the final day of practice. He had two interceptions, I believe it was, um, which is always helpful when you're in the secondary to get those interceptions. Um, and those drills, to be honest with you, usually lean more towards the defense just because the, the quarterbacks and the receivers aren't on the same page because they're just – started working together, not to take anything away from Richie, but he took full advantage of that, as you saw, um, made plays all over the field that Thursday. Um, and some of those clips went viral, I believe. And then with Aaron, I think it was his physicality that really caught people's attention. Uh, his, his ability to jam at the line and cover guys in the slot particularly well. Jonathan, let's talk about a guy who wasn't at the senior bowl, uh, and that's receiver Marlon Williams. Uh, he, he had a monster senior season. Uh, obviously, he's a guy who uh, wasn't afraid of contact, you know, makes tough catches over the middle, uh, had a ton of yak yards as well. Uh, what kind of buzz are you hearing about, about Marlon and where his potential draft status may lie? I was really surprised. I, I, it seems like from what you guys, you didn't get an invite? Because I was just assuming it was an injury because people were asking me about it. And I was like, he had to get an invite. But then when I was looking, it seemed like he didn't get one. So um, that's really confusing because I felt like, well, this, this group, this, this class has a strong receiving group. Um, you look at his production on tape. I mean, just his, and he also has the physical traits there too, right? So uh, you combine the, the production with the physicality that he can bring to an NFL team. And I think the fact that it helps that UCF has brought a lot of receivers as of late into the NFL. And really, right, we saw how Gabe Davis did making clutch catches in big time situations for Buffalo this year. Traquan Smith, same deal. Um, obviously, go back further, you have Brandon Marshall and other guys. But um, UCS kind of, uh, I mean, you could argue is a wide, de facto a wide receiver you now, the, the, the talent that's coming at the position. So I definitely think he's going to get a look to the NFL. I don't, I don't know why, what happened there for whatever reason with the senior bowl. Um, and it does hurt, hurt himself that the combine's not happening, at least not in the traditional sense. So, um, but, but the good news is that he's put film on for several years here, really, really solid production. So I think he's going to do, do fine. I'm not sure what happened with the senior bowl there. I was really uh, surprised to see that he wasn't, wasn't there, especially because in the last couple of years, it seems like UCF's had at least one or two receivers there every year. UCF's got a lot of guys in the NFL since 2017. This year's class, they were freshmen on that team. Some guys made some big impacts. So Otis Anderson, Richie Grant, Marlon Williams. How many guys do you expect to get drafted out of this year's class? And how much does that validate that 2017 national championship when you take a look back and see all the guys now that are in the league? Yeah, no doubt. And I, and I think that's um, really the selling point for UCF going forward when you look at this, this whoever that next coach is going to be. You want to keep that train rolling because when, you, when, you, when you're when recruiting high school guys and they can see there's a pathway from UCF to play on Sundays, I think that is going to increase, only increase the level of talent you're going to keep getting. So if I had to guess, I would say between four or five guys, you know, we, we just talked about three for sure. And you would think in those late rounds, we get a couple more out there. So um I'm curious to see what UCF does on the coaching front to see how that can help. But in terms of attracting those talented players that can play at the NFL, because there's such a track record and UCF's done a great job on the social media side of, of pointing that out on Sundays and pointing that out. Even today I saw a graphic about the, uh, the return of the video game and how that's <laughs> the built by UCF thing. And I think it's really catching on and, and people are starting to recognize just the amount of talent that's coming out of Orlando. A name we haven't mentioned. Uh, what do you think the prospects are for Tay Gowan uh, getting drafted? 
I haven't heard a lot on him. Um, I think he's going to be probably like a day three guy, potentially one of those guys that, that teams could look at, look at again. Uh, you know, we saw that a little bit with Adrian Killens last year, who is super, uh, super fast, but just struggled with the, you know, being fast in college is a little bit different than when you get on Sundays. And we saw a little bit, he struggled in that Sunday night game and I think got released. Um, so it'll be interesting to see to follow. A lot of these guys get um, get looks, even if they don't get drafted, will get looks, you know. The end of, it's interesting, the final round of the draft, you have teams working the phones, competing against each other to compete for these guys. And in some ways it's better to not get drafted than get drafted in say like the late seventh round and not have any say in where you're going. Because then you get to hand pick your situation where you might have a, a better chance of making the roster. Whereas if you get drafted in the sixth, seventh round, your chances of making the final roster are slim and you don't have any control over where you're going. So sometimes it's better. It sounds not great to not to get everyone else to get drafted. You want to hear your name called, but sometimes for some of these guys, it's better to be able to pick their situation. A really intriguing name. I think for a lot of people, Jonathan is uh, Jacob Harris. He's got the size. He's what six, five. He's purported to be the fastest guy on the team, which is crazy thinking about all the speed UCF has, but he's super raw from a receiver standpoint, hasn't played college football all that, uh, all that long. Uh, But he obviously he's made some explosive plays. Are you hearing his name at all? And do you think there's a, there's a niche for him in in the league just based on his, his measurables? I do. And actually I was, I was talking to a colleague at the senior bowl. Uh, I'm blanking on what the name of there was a, Kind of like the East West Shrine, which was canceled this year, but something similar that he participated in. Do you guys know what the name of the whatever that event was? And he really did well. She said he really did well. Um, I was talking to another reporter. She said he really did well in the practices that the scouts really liked him a lot. And so I think he did well for himself there. He, um, that was the final. I think the Senior Bowl was the final, you know, showcase game that we had. So he's not going to have any more opportunities beyond that. But I do think he's going to have a place landing spot. Um, I thought he did really well this past season. Um, really, really consistent pass catcher with great hands, um, and kind of that that new breed of tight end that you want to see that can line up out out wide, not just block, but be able to be a, a real receiving option for for the quarterback. All right, now that you're considered, I guess, a draft guru, I'm gonna go over a few terms here. You tell me which one's your favorite one. You should read. You should read my mentions. They're clearly not what people think. Uh, I appreciate. I appreciate. Uh, I'll send you the twenty dollars later. <laughs> fluid hips, good at the point of contact, high motor, uh, plug and play guy, takes the yeah, top off the defense. What what are your some of your favorites? As far as the draft cliches? Yeah. Um you know, when someone says that they're real twitchy, like I don't really know what that means, but oh, it sounds good. Twitchy. I would like to be twitchy. Um <laughs> A lot of times when someone's not athletic, uh, you say like the high motor, basically that means you're, like, you're going to be like slow as crap. <laughs> you know, you're not going to be be able to keep up with the other athletes. I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Um, Plays well in space. Uh, that's my favorite. Yeah, that's good. There's yeah. a weird one with like hips. Didn't you say something about hips? Like uh, can Ben Watt the hips? Like there's just a yeah, lot of weird hips. Things. I think sometimes it's filler when we don't know what we're talking about. We just can insert one of those, and no one really knows what any of that means. So you just kind of throw it in there. Um, not super helpful on a first date or anything, but definitely throw one of the radio. So you can throw one of those. You're like, oh, this guy really knows what he's talking about. No, he just kind of like looked at Mel Kiper for a couple clips online and memorized them. Uh, I think you got to come thing. up with it, like a couple of your own. I know. Maybe you guys, let's work on that. Someone at me uh, on Twitter, let me know what your favorites are. I could try to work it into my um, 
I'm really just trying. You know, I heard this rumor that Mel Kiper eats a whole um, pumpkin pie every draft. I'm just trying to figure out how that even is possible. (laughs) More so than draft cliches, I'm just trying to get how do you get to the point where you can eat a complete pie? Like one of the, you know, like how people have certain demands when they're in like the green room, you have to have like green M&Ms or whatever. I guess one of those things is like you have to have a certain amount of pumpkin pies for the three days of the draft. I don't know how that works remotely this year, but I don't know. The draft is three days. I could easily kill a pumpkin pie in three days. (laughs) <laughs> no, but like no, I'm, I'm talking about like three total, so one each day. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. definitely not I pumpkin. Can, I, I might be able to do that. Did you get some Reese's peanut butter cups at the Senior Bowl practices? Were I, they I, plenty? They usually are. Uh, COVID's kind of ruined everything, you know. So we were. Um, <laughs> I'm making light of that. I, I don't mean to 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 make fun, but. Um, like the, this year, we were sectioned off from like where normally where the teams and the scouts are, and um, usually they hand out different things like the Reese's, and um, it's kind of like the way that my wife lets me back in the house. Like, if I don't bring back a certain amount of Reese's, like all my stuff's in the front lawn and the locks have been changed. So like, I have to, even if I have to go to the gas station if I forget, like I just I can bring back a few of the. Um, and then, then randomly, I'll like be packing my bag and and find like random packs of this that I just I, I forgot were in there just because there's always little like grab bags you'll also walk around and there's the the, the life-size Reese's guy or gal I don't know who's inside the costume which is always a little bit fr- terrifying and also like kind of it's like smiling so you're kind of like oh this is friendly but it's odd because it's taller than me so it's kind of a weird uh weird dynamic but definitely Reese's make sure that they get their branding uh uh their money's worth but this year I, I didn't see any Reese's at least we didn't get any so I'll have to catch up which is probably for the better but I'll have to catch up next time before we let you go, got to mention that Seattle Seahawks helmet. How about our Griffin guys up in the great Northwest? Yeah, they're both pretty um, We saw Shaquem get released earlier this, you know, as a, right after training camp. And then Seattle, of course, signed him back to the practice squad. Um, Shaquille's a free agent. He's, gonna, he's due for a sizable raise. Uh, I know he said that his final um, – the Seahawks are one of the teams that I cover um, during the NFL season and in the offseason, but – his final press conference, he mentioned that he wanted to be a Seahawk for life, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happened. He had, a, I think, an up and down season. You know, obviously he had the Pro Bowl season uh, a year ago, and then this season I think he struggled with some injuries. But he's definitely going to have a free agent market just with how, how important the quarterback position has been. I, I think it's going to be another uh, another situation where he's a where they're a package deal. Like I think wherever he'll sign, he wants to make sure that uh, Shaquem. This he hasn't told me this is like inside information. It's just my assessment of from hearing him talk about it, my guess is he wants to sign somewhere, whether it's in, say in Seattle or elsewhere where, where Shaquem's gonna have a shot to also earn a roster spot. And the Seahawks philosophy has always been to kind of, they're not usually gonna be top dollar for, for free agents. That's just kind of their philosophy. And so it'll be interesting to see if he gets a better offer from another team. You know, he's going to have an opportunity to make generational wealth in this next contract because he's coming off his rookie deal. So I'm sure he wants to make sure he maximize um, the, the contract, which he should. So it'll be, it's kind of a, a, a tug of war there between what the CX are going to be willing to pay him. They need that position, their secondary with, you know, he fit well with Jamal Adams, but they just had so many injuries in the defense struggle this year. So I, I know that he wants to, uh, to remain in Seattle, but the question is whether they're going to, to, to financially meet what the market's going to demand for him. He's definitely not going to be without suitors. There's going to be a ton of teams interested in him. 
We'll give Jonathan Adams a follow at John D. Adams, sports contributor at heavy.com. We'll have Seahawks coverage. We'll talk about the Knights as well. And we appreciate you joining us on the Sons of UCF Live this Thursday. Thanks, fellas. Thanks. Thank you. All right, well, that's some interesting stuff. If you guys had to guess, how many guys you think uh, get drafted uh, in the NFL? Um, you know, we thought Marlon for sure. It sounds like Richie's uh, stock has gone up. And I don't know about Jacob Harris, but um, two, three? I'm going to go four. Four? Yeah, I'm going to go uh, Robinson Grant. I, I think Gowan may sneak in there. I think I think speed helps. I think, you know, he's got some impressive tape, although it's not a lot of tape. And I got to listen, I'm the co-founder of the Marlon Williams fan club along with J.P. Gilbert. So I got to go with uh, Marlon Williams there. I think uh, Grant and Robinson are for sure going to get drafted. Marlon, I think, is is close to a short thing. And then uh, maybe, maybe Gowan, maybe Harris, maybe as many as five. It's possible. Definitely at least three. At least three could be five. And we got four in the middle. Interesting. You know, I didn't think going into this NFL draft that it would be quite so chock full of nights, but uh, certainly the senior bowl practices helped a couple of guys and it looks like a good number. Anywhere between three and five would be a good day. Good couple of days. Yeah, don't what forget there's also Otis. There's there's Greg McRae right now. Obviously, running backs are uh, sort of a disposable position these days in the NFL. So maybe those guys are are guys that sign, uh, you know, uh, undrafted free agent deals. But uh, I think there could certainly be a slew of nights, hopefully making the rounds. Typically, you have your, you know, your historical one night goes to Jacksonville concept. So we'll figure out which one of these will be a Jaguar <laughs> that happens every year. So pick your Jaguar between that between that group. But um yeah, I, th- I think there could be a slew of movement. I, to answer your question, Mike, I don't know the record of how many UCF guys drafted in a class. That's a that's a good trivia question for anybody out there who, who may know quickly. They can throw it in the chat for us. It's the kind of thing that might get indictment. you a hat. <laughs> <laughs> Is this an indictment on Hypo? I mean, you got five guys going in the draft, and the team was basically barely over 500. I can do a contest for the hat. Maybe not for this, but how about a Super Bowl contest? How about a, like, a predict the score and – We'll do a, like an MVP. Who is the MVP tiebreaker or something? Some, come up with a thing right now on the show. You're announcing you a contest right here. Workshopping yeah, it right now. This is, this is how we do the podcast, Trace. This is behind <laughs> the scenes of how I hit the record button and Mike's like, hey, do you think we should do this? And, and we, just start, we start talking about it. So I, I do enjoy when he asks you questions that you're not necessarily well prepared for. You, you scramble. You get answers most of the time. Or you make things up. I got a, I got a filibuster. I've got an iPad. I've got like a phone. I've got a computer. I've got like multiple devices so that I can, I can try to search for, uh, for whatever's on Mike's mind that day. You got to keep him on his toes. Keep him on his He's a bright guy. He figures it out most of the time. Well, as we, uh, we wrap up going around the kingdom a little bit, uh, Mike, if you've tired on men's basketball, plenty of spring sports coming. Baseball, softball, men's and women's soccer. Volleyball off to three and zero start. Uh, McKenna Melville shining as expected. AAC Offensive Player of the Week. Here's a question for you: When do you play a conference opponent, but it's not a conference matchup? The UCF's got a pair with Tulane. They've got a regular conference slate, but in this, uh, still trying to build a schedule and add games. They're playing each other Friday, Saturday, but it's not considered a league game. So a league opponent but not considered a league game. It's going to be a different kind of spring for a lot of UCF sports, for sure. I uh, caught up with 
head coach Todd Dagenet following the most recent win, and, and he talked about Tulane's pretty good team. I mean, they scheduled us for a reason. They scheduled us because they wanted a conference-level match. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of smart people that think that the, they'll win that side of the conference. Uh, now, SMU and Houston and Wichita are going to have something to say about that, but Tulane certainly is one of the favorites. So we're going to get an idea of how we fare against the other side of the conference right away. This could very well be a, a, a semifinal or a final conference championship matchup. I know Mike likes to play the, the looks like game, by the way. As I was making that clip, all I could think of was that that he looks like the kind of guy who would play a villain in a movie, like a, <laughs> an, like a criminal villain. I don't know why I get that vibe off of, uh, off of Coach Casimir there. I apologize in advance, Coach, but he looks like a movie villain to me. Like a James Bond villain, maybe? Is it because of the hairstyle or lack thereof? Is that what it is? <laughs> <laughs> We have these lovely hats, though, Trace, if, you, if you're interested. <laughs> I've been interested for months. It's a P.O. Box <laughs> 951. Anyway. Um, well, Trace, you, you, you stay close to the volleyball team, uh, obviously, uh, to your point, truncated season. But, uh, you know, what do you think the outlook is? Obviously, you, you mentioned Tulane being a good team. How do you think UCF stacks up? And, you know, how would you assess sort of what you think they can accomplish in the league this year? I think, as Coach Dagenet has said, no one predicted to win the AAC has ever won it. UCF heavily favored. McKenna Melville, All-American, uh, really bolsters a, a pretty uh, strong lineup of players. But COVID and disruptions, you don't know what you're going to have. We see it with women's basketball. It's been rolling along now. Third straight COVID postponed game has really disrupted their schedule. And I think we've seen that it's impacted the men as well. If they can get their games in with minimal COVID disruption, uh, I think they're they're a strong team. Waiting for him to crack the top 25, couple more wins, perhaps that will happen. And, you know, UCF went pretty deep last year, but that no longer good enough for the program. They want to go even further in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, there are a lot of blue bloods and seasoned programs, a lot out west and California and the like that uh, are well-established Midwestern Big Ten teams in volleyball. But UCF has made a name for itself in volleyball and really – I think you have a chance here when you look at the sports, men's and women's tennis, top 25 ranked, top 20 ranked, um, baseball, softball, likely to be ranked in preseason projections, top 25, and some of the early ones they are. It's setting up to be a pretty strong uh, spring, uh, and I think uh, volleyball uh, is looking good so far. You find these games uh, on ESPN+. Plus. I know a favorite of Mike's, ESPN+, Plus, but uh, you'll find everything is on there. Soccer debuts, uh, men's soccer debuts this weekend. And uh, what I'm looking forward to is the baseball schedules out. And I know Mike's posted this on Twitter, and it was when he posted it on Twitter, I thought, you know, maybe I'll go down and visit Mike, uh, who I've seen, what, one time in person in all these years? Uh, UCF opens with FAU in Orlando February 19th. Then the 20th and 21st, they're in Boca Raton. Yeah, we got to definitely at least pick one of those, the Saturday and Sunday game. We, have, we don't know the times yet, but you come down to one of those games, I will have a hat waiting for you to give it to you in person. You know, I'm thinking about it now. I don't think I've ever seen you wear any kind of hat ever. Have you ever, have you ever worn a hat? Look at me. What do you, do you think I've worn a hat? I'm in the sunshine state. What, are you kidding? I've never seen it. I've never seen a, a walk and talk with a, with a hat. I think on. he had a, there's a snow uh, situation, Cal, <laughs> yeah. because I think you had some sort of a, a beanie on at one point, no? I, I try to be versatile. I wore my 
peach bowl jacket. It was brisk yesterday for the walk and talk. And again, I traded in the jacket for the jacket, fresh off my Zoom interview for AD. And I have to dig out my hats. Maybe that'll be the walk and talk. Uh, you know, try and look, try and look uh, the part for this uh, live extravaganza. Soul, as I believe you are now listing it as in the uh, podcast feed for those that missed the live show on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. You can listen to it just as you do the Sons of UCF in your regular downloadable content. I like that. Soul. We have soul. The three amigos have soul. Uh, I didn't get, can I get your answer on the Jonathan Adams question? Pumpkin pie, yay or nay? Mike? Nay. New. It's not my first choice of pie, but I mean, I, haven't, I don't turn down any pie, so I would eat it if that's all we had, but I, there's about four other pies I'd take ahead of it. Well, so what's worse? So uh, uh, Mel Kuyper eating a pie per day of the draft, or I believe it's rumored, Mike, you may know this factually, that Bud Selig ate a hot dog every single day of, of his life. Uh, so what's worse, pumpkin pie every day or a hot dog every day? Anything every day is just, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not anything every day, Mike. I mean, it's like well, it's silly here. I, I don't know if I could do a hot dog every day either. I'd probably eat like five hot dogs a year. And, that, and three of them will probably be in Boca during the game where we go <laughs> in a couple of weeks. But, uh, yeah, I guess I'd go with the pie if I had to pick. I'm more of a dessert guy, I guess. Adam, how far are you from Boca? You were just down there for the bowl. Stone's throw, Trace. Yeah, I mean, I'm in the car. I'm there five, six and a half hours. So, stone's throw away. But if they're playing anywhere in Jacksonville, I am uh, – I'm, I'm They there. are playing in Jacksonville. Wow. I'm there. You know, there's that's motivation to come up and visit you, too. Yeah, you're you're dead smack in the middle, Trace, right? You go, you know, you can go either direction for us there. If I go to Boca, I get a hat. If I go to Jacksonville, I get a pumpkin pie. <laughs> I actually have two hats. <laughs> one uh one my little guy has. I could clean that off a little bit and you'll never know the difference. This is true. This is true. So uh what do you think now? Wrapping up the show, athletic director Friday, or does it go into next week? I mean, you can't imagine something like this from a uh, announcement press conference standpoint that you want occurring on a Saturday or Sunday, something Friday, or do we go into next week? Yeah, my guess is probably tomorrow. I mean, if you, if you're not a part of uh, what Brandon Helwig does at UCFsports.com, you should check that out. A lot of good information there. You know, I think there's a lot of tea leaves that are saying that the, the candidates will be whittled down uh, and there'll be a select few. Uh, and at that point, it's just kind of selection at that point. So my, my assumption is uh, hopefully uh, hopefully Friday we get that news. If not, it'll be till Monday, and then uh, you know obviously a coach will, will soon follow. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go Friday with zero inside information. Well, the opening is still available to to apply online tomorrow until tomorrow. I don't know what time they cut that off. You don't expect them to dump it on Saturday or Super Bowl Sunday. No. So if it's not done tomorrow by what time? Four o'clock. You figure it might not happen until Monday. Well, even four o'clock. I mean, four o'clock Friday is the the typical Friday news dump, right? So you'd you'd want to get something out there if you're going to do it, ten, eleven a.m. So you can you know get a one, two, three o'clock press conference going. But a news dump at four and a press conference at eight o'clock on a Friday is not really going to get a lot of uh, a lot of pub outside of probably us three. Well, it's uh, most likely online and via Zoom still for the television stations that have newscasts at four o'clock, five o'clock, six o'clock. They want enough advance notice that they can get some sound and get it on their, their sports cast. So that late in the afternoon, that's why you see a lot of those scrums and media availabilities late uh, morning, mid-morning, late morning, uh, so that they can turn it around. Do you think, as we, as we wrap up, do you think that whoever Dr. Cartwright chooses 
part of that conversation is who he has in mind, that athletic director he or she has in mind for head coach, and that the announcement might come fairly quickly. So let's just say a Friday or Monday announcement. As we sit here a week from Thursday, a week from today, do we also have a coach to talk about? I got to hope that the first question that was asked of this athletic director candidates is, hey, by the way, pretty much every player on the football team wants a certain coach. How are you going to handle that when you get in here? Right. Um, and I think that that's the biggest question you have to answer. I think probably some people have their their short list of coaches that they want to talk to. And and hopefully those coaches and, and obviously Jeff Levy is the, the player's choice from what we can tell. Hopefully he's on that list and he, he's a part of the vetting process. Um so I got to think, you know, really soon after that, I got to think that's part of the a huge part of the questioning process is who's who's on your list, who's in your mind, who's a good fit. Um, I, I wouldn't think that they would sit down with an AD and say nothing about what your thoughts are on the potential biggest hire for your university. The AD has to have a coach already in mind, but if he's taking the job on Monday, I don't know if he can legally or just announce somebody on Tuesday. He's probably going to have to make it seem like he's going through a process interviewing at least a handful of guys, and maybe by Thursday, maybe by this time, or maybe you're looking at Monday of the following week. Well, it has definitely not been in January as we go into February, a slow period of news for UCF. There has been a lot happening. You can catch up with it on the Sons of UCF podcast and on the weekly Sons of UCF live show, Soul, as it is listed in the pod feed. For uh, Adam and Mike, I'm Trey Strolko. Thanks for joining us. Go Knights. Sorry, John. Sorry, John, guys. Sports Social Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.